Make a mark. Oh, wow. It's just so great to be back, every, back here this week. I'm just loving the presence of God in this place. And uh, while we're away, uh, I was just listening on the uh, speakerphone while I was away while we were singing this song. And uh, I just felt tears just coming to my eyes, just feeling the presence of God that we have here, just missing it so much. And uh, we just need to really always just be grateful to God for the blessings he's given us and never take them for granted. Never, ever take the presence of God for granted. Most of the world lives without him. And when we can come every week and enjoy his presence and worship and feed on the very best, we need to be constantly grateful to God, constantly thankful to him for the way he's blessed us. Yes, amen? Praise the Lord. We've got a great testimony coming up in a moment. Doug has been on underground assignment, Mission Impossible, into China. And, and we sent him alone to the underground church, and he's come back with some awesome stories. He's come back, that's the biggest thing, but he's also got awesome stories. <laughs> so let's give Doug a great welcome back from China. Hallelujah! Wow! Do you guys know that uh, we sing a song here that says, Take me to the place where the angels worship. You know that song? Well, I want to tell you, I've been to such a place. Yes? I've been to such a place, it's in the back part of communist China, where the church of God is exploding, and there's nothing that the enemy can do to stop it. It is exploding. Woo! I tell you, I've had the most supernatural experience that I've ever had since I was born again, baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, just incredible time from uh, right from the time that I, I left Hong Kong or was in Hong Kong. I was left in Hong Kong with um, my only contact in Beijing being this fellow's first and second name, his initials. I didn't have his, uh, his phone numbers. I didn't have his addresses. I had nothing. And uh, I, I couldn't find them out. The people that were, were uh, meant to be communicating with me had disappeared. And uh, I'm thinking, God, I'm in big trouble here. Okay. Because in Beijing, there's, like, there's not a whole lot of people who speak English. Is that right, Vivian? Yeah, not many. Yeah, okay. So I'm sitting there thinking, I'm in big trouble. And just while I'm thinking, I'm in so much trouble, this guy comes in from mainland China, and he's a Kiwi. And I get talking with him, and uh, in the end, I'm, I'm so desperate, I say, look, I know that China is a big place. You're in southern China, I'm going to northern China. But is there any chance that you know this Norwegian man named JT? And he just smiled and laughed and, and, uh, and said, you know what? He's a good friend of mine. And <laughs> you don't know how good that sounded to my ears. <laughs> He's a good friend of mine. Not only that, I was with him four weeks ago. Okay. Here is his cell phone number. Here is his landline. And what's more, I have a world calling card. I'll give him a call for you right now. So that was the first, first thing that I knew that, man, God is with me in such a big way. Okay, so I met JT in, in Beijing, and uh, man, this guy, he is amazing. Him and his wife have, have literally, they've laid down their lives for the gospel. They've laid aside all the Western comforts, and they are preaching all over China and, and uh, setting up Bible schools in China. They're attached to Ulf Ekman's ministry in, uh, in Sweden. 
and uh, which again was like something that I was so happy to hear. But in in uh, in Beijing, he has a, a small um, training center where he's training these young people to work as translators. I met them on Monday morning. I spent two and a half days basically locked in with these these young ones. They count the time that they became Christians from the time that they were ready to die for their faith. Yeah, they, the, from the time that they said. Jesus, we're ready to give everything to you, including our lives. That's the day that they decided they would. That's the day that uh, they count the point that they became Christians. These these young ones were sent out as a group of missionaries uh, from from their church. Their church sent out 100 missionaries, okay? 100 missionaries into Pakistan, knowing that every one of them could die for their faith, okay? And they went out gladly. Okay, they didn't have a huge amount of Bible knowledge or anything like that. They just had a passion for Jesus and a willingness to live and to die for him. And uh, yeah, so I had the privilege of, of spending two and a half days in, in, uh, in Beijing with them, teaching with them, praying with them, ministering to them. And God was so good. I've had the best time of ministry I've ever had in my life. You know, God just came in such a beautiful way. He touched these people. They had a, had a mission, such a strong sense of passion, but they never felt, felt the love of God. And when I prayed for them and I talked to them about the love of God and how God just loves us so much and how he treats us as his sons and his daughters. And when I prayed for them, they just broke. They wept and wept and wept and wept as the presence of God came on them. It's such a beautiful thing. I thought, wow, I'll give me more. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just amazing time with them. And um, then I went uh, south to a place called Zhenzhou. Is that right, Vivian? I said it right this time. Uh, Vivian spent uh, two minutes or half the service last time trying to figure out where I was going. So I know it's a place called Zhenzhou. And uh, eight hours by bus, uh, by train in these cramped little quarters. And uh, uh, just, again, we can't say anything about what we're doing. We're not allowed to talk about what we're doing. Um, together, we can't, I can't speak in Chinese anyway, so, but uh, we can't even speak in English uh, about what we're doing. We get five minutes out of the train station, and, uh, and my guy says, okay, pack up your gear. As we leave the train, you keep your face down, you move fast, and, and uh, you don't stop, okay? You don't talk to anyone, and if anyone tries to talk to you, you just keep moving and follow me. We get in straight into a taxi. Taxi takes us through town and drops us off at a, at a hotel. We, uh, we get, go into the hotel for a little while, and um, then another car swings past. We get into that car and uh, go all through the city. And um, as we're approaching where we're meant to be, he says, okay, everyone get down. Cover yourself. You cannot let anyone see you and, uh, because we're Westerners. We stand out like anything. And uh, so I'm hiding under my seat. <laughs> yeah, my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Meant to dye my hair black before I left. Yeah. And uh, so I'm hiding under my seat. All I see is in, in front of me, there's this courtyard doors swing open. The van whips in, the doors close. The, the door to the, uh, to the apartment opens, and we're whistled inside. Door closed. That's the last time I, I see the outdoors for uh, two, and, uh, two days. Okay. So I'm locked in there for two days. In fact, this is, this is how. Um, how uh, how tight it is is that I when I get up onto the onto the first floor where they have one of their one of their rooms and uh, I go to look out the window and before I can even get near it one of the guys reaches over and grabs me pulls me back and says you cannot get near the window no one can see your face and uh, because uh, yeah just because 
there's no reason for Westerners to be there at all. And so uh, uh, for these guys, they, they risk a lot having, having Westerners there. They, they risk beatings and they risk imprisonment. And uh, for me, I risk getting booted out of the country with a big print up my backside. And, uh, but for them, they, they risk everything, literally. And, and there I just had, again, the most incredible time. This is an underground training, training school where they're training pastors and leaders. And uh, to think about, there's, there's 20 there. They can't gather bigger groups because the more people there are, the bigger risk there is. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a, yeah, it's a big challenge. And um, just amazing time with them again, just an incredible time of, of ministry. When these guys are sent out, they literally pastor thousands of people. They go out. One of the guys that was sent out from Beijing, within six months, he's pastoring a thousand people. So that... There's just such an, a revival going on that there is such a need for leaders. And uh, for so many years, all they've had is, is maybe one page of the Bible that they can read, not like us, okay? And uh, uh, so there I just had another incredible time of ministry when I preached about the love of God. And they have this like this military thing going on where, where I'll pray, okay? The translator will, will translate that sentence. And I go, amen! And they'll pray some more. And they go, Amen! I think, okay, that's cool, but God's not touching them. <laughs> so just ask, I said, just lift up your hands. We're going to worship God and allow the Spirit of God to touch you. And within 30 seconds, just, the room just breaks apart. Tears and uh, just, just incredible presence of God just touching lives. I just had the most amazing time of uh, uh, just the sense of God on my life and being able to minister and, and uh, prophecy and words of knowledge and just incredible amazing and uh and in that place i met an underground pastor yeah i met an underground pastor this guy was amazing he was pastoring himself uh, the church is made up of of many many networks and uh, uh this guy and and this part of the network he was pastoring probably 1500 two and a half thousand people this guy every day of his life okay every day of his life whenever he goes out to minister he is followed Okay. Every day of his life, he gets into a taxi to go out to minister to 1,500, 2,500 people. He gets in a taxi while he's still driving. He pays the driver and says, slow down, but don't stop. Okay. Uh, the driver slows down. He leaps out, runs across a traffic island, gets into a taxi going the other way, and, and goes to where he's going. And he has to do that every time, of, every time he goes out to minister, which is basically every day of his life. And that's to throw off the, um, the people who are tracking him. He's moved 20 times in the, in the last eight years. And uh, just to, to uh, because the, yeah, there's various people who are trying to sort out his network. The church has grown so big in China that, um, that the officials are worried. They're fearful of it. Okay? And, I mean, fearful of him preaching Jesus because, uh, oh yeah, for whatever reasons, okay, there's, there's heaps of reasons in there. But this guy was one of the most incredible guys I'd, I'd ever met, just amazing. And uh, after one of the sessions, he just, he led these, these young people in worship. And I tell you, I've never heard such a beautiful sound in my whole life. Just the presence of God and just, I... I tell you, it could have been angels singing, I don't know, but I tell you, it was the most beautiful sound 
I've ever heard in my life. And they were singing about the freedom that they have in Christ. And that's the mystery. The great mystery is, is that physically they live in an oppressive state, in fear of their lives and, and in fear of imprisonment and beatings. Yet they have given their whole lives and their whole lives, whole hearts to Christ. And though they couldn't worship with great volume, they worshiped with all of their hearts, all of their hearts. And I, I, I just couldn't help it. I was bawling my eyes out, I tell you. Absolutely. Just amazing, incredible. And, you know, it's in a place like that, it just makes you realize how much we have in one sense, okay? But then in another sense, how little we have, yeah? Uh, when Revelation talks about uh, that you have a richness, you have everything that you could want, yet you're poor. You're poor because of the condition of your heart. And I thought, oh God, these people have nothing. In fact, they've given up their lives for you, yet they have a richness and a freedom that I want with all of my, with all that I have within me. It changes you, I tell you. It changes you. And uh, just an incredible, incredible time. I met a young woman who, uh, this woman was just in her 20s. Again, she was sent out of a, of a similar center as uh, in Beijing. Now, this young woman, she was, uh, she was bold, be, beyond belief bold. And I met her in Zhenzhou, and uh, she had started up a children's work. At this stage, the children's work is about 60 kids. And I asked her, I said, are these children of underground church members? She said, no, they're all from, uh, from unsaved families. And I said, well, how did you start this up? She said, well, we rented an apartment, and we just invited the kids in off the street. And they came in. And uh, they told them some Bible stories, asked them if they wanted to receive Jesus. And they said, yes. So they received Jesus and they said, come back next week with your friends. Okay, now the, the thing is, is that it's a problem to be a Christian in China. Okay, many, many parts of China, it's a big problem to be a Christian. It's a bigger problem to be a pastor. You're in, you're, you live in risk of your life. And, but to be a pastor of children, of children from unsaved families, you have got... You are literally, you're, you're, a, a, you're moments away. You live every, every day with this might be your last day. In fact, this could be your last hour. And uh, this young woman, she had invited these, in, these kids in. And uh, every weekend she's ministering to these children. And, uh, and just, you know, just incredible boldness that she is willing to die for her faith. And it's just like, it's no big deal. She's just... I'm just like amazed. And this is, for them, this is normal life. This is normal Christianity. Stunning. And uh, boldness that, that I couldn't believe. But one of the things that I witnessed there is, is that, you know, there's a, a thing in the, promoted in the West, and it's a Christian ministry, unfortunately, that does it, that says, we've got a Bible press in China. We're printing all the Bibles that they need, and there's no need for the smuggling operation anymore. Well, actually, rubbish. Uh, because those Bibles only appear to go to the government-approved churches, so, which are, are strictly controlled and and. Yeah, held down by the government. So the underground church does not get Bibles. They do not get resources. They don't have, even if they could, they don't have the money. The only way, the only way they get resources is through the likes of, uh, uh, where's Billy? Where are you? Billy, you're here? Brian? And, and, and uh, yeah, I'm in uh, Glenda. You know, 
those people, Westerners, carrying Bibles and, and resources across the border. And uh, you know I've got a real fresh appreciation when I, when I see these resources being held, handed over to this young woman who's literally giving her life out for Christ where uh, she lives day by day with this could be her last day. And to see the gratitude on her face when she gets some, some uh, resources that are carried over the border by Western people. You know, I, I just, I was amazed. Just, and uh, just an incredible fresh appreciation for what Billy and Glenda have been doing. You know, Billy, yeah, let's give Billy a clap, eh? You know, Billy would never tell you this, but he's in his, in his uh, he's a mature man, okay? For those of you who know Billy, okay, he's 60 plus, is that right? Yeah, okay, 60 plus, okay? He's got one titanium knee, one ankle that's wired together with bits of wire and screws, and yet this man, every year, he saves up enough money to go take him and his wife back to move Bibles over, uh, over the border from Hong Kong into China. And uh, every, day, every year he does this, and uh, he doesn't make a big deal of it because he's not a big deal sort of person. But I tell you, that work is important, really important. And, you know, it's something that any one of us, if you can walk, okay, if you can walk and carry bags, you can do that. And you can have a huge impact on the underground church in China. All right, thank you very much for praying for me and supporting me. Very good. Great to have Doug back. <laughs> Kalinda's smiling too. And uh, it is extremely risky over there, and that lady did risk being shot any time that she got caught. Uh, other people that have gone in have been put to death. So we have to understand that it's not what the... The face of China is one thing, the reality of China is another. So there's a face to the world trying to gain acceptance and, uh, and financial advantage, but the actual real other side of it is they live in fear of Christianity and oppress it in a major way. So it's just great to hear these things. Man, I was just so excited to hear what's happening in Doug as well as what he did. Fantastic, isn't it, eh? And uh, others, uh, your turn will come. You can go on a Bible venture or some other kind of. There's always plenty of missions trips going now. There's always some place. because we're here is our great mission field. And uh, we need to have our passion for the people here and see what God's put right in front of us. But we want to share a little bit about uh, Taiwan and China. We went up to Hong Kong. And uh, uh, what we did up there was had a conference, a businessman's conference. There was uh, probably close to 1,000 people there, which we ministered to over that, week, over that weekend. And a uh, tremendous impact. These businessmen are making impact right through China, going in and out under the guise of business and discipling people. And then we went over to Taiwan, where we're involved uh, with Good, T Good TV, which uh, reaches all of China by their television program. God has just given them a whole new channel, and it's right near the top level of channels. So that means they've got now a major advantage uh, over every other channel. And uh, they've got a whole channel devoted to teaching right through, right to every year of China. If they've got a satellite receiver, they can pick up the Good TV signals. Amazing what they're doing. But uh, they've been through a crisis recently, and uh, the... Uh, uh, George, tell you about it in just a moment. We then went to another church and had a great move of God there with uh, probably over the whole time we were away, over 400 people saved and uh, a whole number of people, tremendous miracles and breakthroughs. Uh, this time I had unusual favor beyond what I've ever had in Taiwan. Uh, we went to a, uh, another church and uh, God just broke out with the miraculous in that church. We had some combined church meetings. Again, the miraculous broke out. But uh, there was a whole new level of ministering this time of helping pastors and leaders at a personal level. There's a church split that we're involved in to help uh, repair the damage that had been
been done. There was a, uh, a man had lost his wife and he's a significant leadership role in ministry. We're involved in doing that. We had a tremendous impact on uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. So it was just a great time. Really appreciate uh, the opportunity to do this. But uh, Joyce going to share this a little bit about. And then we want to show you a few uh, slides and a little video clip of what happened. Thank you for praying for us. We had, uh, I think, 21 days without a single day off. And these meetings were incredibly demanding. So we, we just appreciate the grace of God upon our lives to keep us healthy and to enable us to do what we did. We had six different places we went to. But the, I think the first thing about Hong Kong, well, two things really blessed me. One, my daughter and son-in-law and baby came and joined us. So that was an extra treat. But to see passionate businessmen, they're just so full of um, fire. Jeff will remember them. He's full gospel businessmen. Um, they're just taking... Hong Kong and China by storm. They had a um, they have banquets all the time. They have these big banquets, hundred New Zealand, hundred American dollar seats for the banquet. So they're not cheap things, but they get the upper crust of society there. So at this banquet, these men get up and passionately worship God, very exuberantly with all their actions. Two government ministers were there. Out of twelve government ministers, two were at that banquet. And after a vibrant time of worship. They had about three testimonies. One was from the top lawyer in, in Hong Kong. Hilarious testimonies. They have everything money can buy, but uh, personal problems and crises in their lives. It was just hilarious. Two lawyers, actually. A, a lawyer married a lawyer. And they argued the whole time, day and night, every restaurant. Neither would give in. They neither would forget. And one of the lawyers then had, a, had an affair. And his wife was about to jump off her flash apartment overlooking the harbour in the best place of town. But the Lord told her, you do that. He'll marry that woman in six months and she'll have your handbags and shoes and clothes. So I can't do that. <laughs> but this is what it's like for the rich and famous. <laughs> But the most important thing is at the end of that banquet, I think 50, 60, many top businessmen gave their hearts to the Lord. It's just so effective. And another thing in China we discovered, there's three churches there now. There's the underground church where um, Doug went and is rapidly growing and under a lot of persecution. And then there's the three self-official church. But the businessmen are getting so many people saved. They've got this another types of church which are quite large, several thousand, some of them, full of top earners in the city, and the government won't touch them because it'll affect the economy too much. But they're growing, and they're growing big. And it's just amazing what's happening amongst the businessmen. Businessmen, it's your hour. And when you see what they can do, like one businessman said, we got the full gospel men into my factory, has about 100 workers together. I think he thought three or four or five might get saved. Well, 85 got saved. You know, that's how it's rolling. And when he sends out his bill, he sends out a testimony with his bill. They're unashamed of the gospel. It's totally committed to getting the gospel out and getting their, their friends in the business field saved. So then we went over to um, Taiwan. The day we arrived, we ministered to the Good TV people. And that was such a privilege because, as Mike said, the Good TV reaches all of China, all of Taiwan, all the Mandarin-speaking community for a long way around. And they've got two channels. And we, they had a retreat day, and uh, we were to minister, oh, two days actually, the night before, and one day to minister to the staff, which was such a privilege because the whole staff had been through a huge upheaval with their boss's wife dying of cancer. But what was worse, they all believed and intercessors had prophesied that she was going to live. So he was totally... Um, out of touch with the fact that she was dying. His sons had gone back to America. 
He even told the first doctor, lies, gives me another doctor. She hasn't gone. So it was devastating because of their, um, the wrong prophecies and the way they had been led to believe that she wasn't going to die. And so there was a lot of alignment. And I think it was timely that someone from outside could come up and just bring alignment of the boundaries around prophecy, the place of intercessors to pray through the vision and to birth things, but not to bring prophecies out of their heart, out of wanting to get this person out of, you know, out of their own heart, really. So it was a really clear teaching, and they were so helped by just having their realignment and their thinking and being encouraged. We went there to another church we went last year where Kate came, and I was thrilled there to see the growth in the church, not only numerically, but last time we prayed for the pastor and his wife, who were very um, um, emotionally damaged people, but I could just see the difference. The minute I saw the pastor's wife, she was right in there full of smiles and totally healed, and the Lord had done such a deep work in her life, and the church had grown tremendously. Music had come up, Kate put input there, and we had Four days, all day Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, doing training with leaders and um, ministering to the church, taught them and trained them in deliverance, realigned their thinking concerning uh, church authorities and structures and the placement of people, and then amazing Sunday services. I think the best thing on the Sunday service is that we train the leaders, but they still hold back when Westerners are there to pray. You're left to do the lot. You know, they, I don't know what they do. They just catch or hover around. But we said, no, altar team, come up. And we actually stood behind the altar team and made them do the praying. Otherwise, I think somehow you've got more anointing than them or what. But, and it was so good. They felt that they were growing. We made them do it, and they all did it. And every year we go there, we expect them to grow in their capacity to do these things. So it was good to see that church going. This time we went to local churches more than combined church events. And it really is effective when you can invest in a church a couple of times and bring the level of their leadership up which is what happened at that um, New Life Church of Pastor Coos in Taipei. Then we went to another place about an hour out of Taipei where a chap that used to work with the Taipei now has planted his own church. Again, it's out of relational connections, but this chap, Gordon, is a great young guy. Paid a huge price in his personal life, but he's now planted his church. And you can see the years and years and years where he's sown and served and just grown bigness on the inside. He's got a church that's just growing in his region very, very rapidly. And all the other pastors are a bit uh, taken back by him, but the hand of God's on him. And what he's reaping now is, I believe, years of sowing. But um, we had training of his leaders, and then all the churches in the town got together. And that's where we had two nights of our miracles you'll see in a minute. But the best thing for um, Gordon, when you get a, a new church emerging, again, to get someone like Mike come in and just prophesy. He got all the leaders together for about an hour. Mike prophesied over them and then we walked out to have tea we said you know is that okay he said they're all in shock he said you've read their mail in fact sometimes you picked up the prophecy you gave them a year ago and just went straight on the same theme and he said they, they can't believe that you've gone right down their lives even people that said I can't be a cell leader I've got no love you actually prophesied to the same lady at Good TV as you did in my church that you have got love the Lord's going to use you in pastoral work and you just basically took the words she said and and, um, and, and, and the back, so they were totally blessed. And Gordon last year took those prophetic words and placed people, even back personally, one man into business because of the prophetic word over his life. He actually takes those words and uses them. He receives that, that prophetic gift, really, and it really affects his church. So does that other church. They receive, they receive you, receive what you've got. You can see the church flourishing under it. 
But Gordon is, is an amazing young man. He's, and also, the funny thing too, he's got a, there's a really, really old Buddhist temple, a couple of hundred years old, become like a historic place in the city. And next to it, there's five floors of a building that the Buddhists own, and it was supposed to be a training center for Buddhists. Well, he's got it as a training center for believers. They think it's a good idea that believers should use it as a training center. He's got one whole floor for his church, and he's going to get two or three car parks. But fortunately, a businessman with a big thinker came along and said, ah, far too small for a church. I'll rent those whole two floors of car parks, and you can have them for your church, and I'll use it as a business feature, renting them out during the week. So, so far, he's got three floors. When Mike was prophesying over him, he said, I see floor by floor you taking over that building. He said, that's exactly what I said to the owner of the building. Don't let out any floor unless you give me first option. I believe I'm going to have the lot. So isn't it amazing? A Buddhist training center being used by this young man. It's, God is just, it's just amazing how God comes through. Another thrill for us there, we stayed at a private home. And just before we left, we were talking to Ian. And there were two men we really wanted to connect with and bring them into the bay. Well, we sat down for breakfast, the first men... First morning with these men, one from Singapore, one from Canada, staying at exactly the same private home. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, just a divine connection just while we're having breakfast where we stayed. We went back to Taipei after a couple of days. And again, in, in China, it all works with connections. It's all favor, and you go up with the level of favor. So we're getting up, and the connections increase. But we went to one church that had several thousand people and a G12 structure, and that had a devastating time because three or four out of the G12 group had left the church, they're all intermarried as relations, and taken 400 people with them. And the church left, were very devastated. And we had two hours with their leaders. And again, we were hoping to minister to them, but they were all very, very broken and wounded. And as soon as we started to pray, deep grief from unhealed family background and abandonment from their background, everything was up at the surface. So... It was just an amazing time of healing, and they're desperate for two, two nights for the whole church to be healed. But it's a great church, and it would be great to be able to help them through that crisis. And then we went to Wayne's church. Wayne is being trained by Kong Hee, and it's the first time I've been to his church. Mike went there in April. Great church, but to me the most exciting part was the three night meetings. First night, just demons manifested everywhere we went. There was just a huge breakout of, of spirits. The second night, tremendous healing presence and a large number of young people saved and people from broken homes and people that were hurting, a tremendous healing flow into their lives. And then the third night, the supernatural, just amazing level of miracles and glory and presence of God filled the place. It was more than I've ever been in a meeting over there, but it was just so exciting. And then during the day, training their leaders and, um, and this is a church that has planted churches in underground China. They're financing schools. They're feeding schools. They're in and out of China. And this is the home base. It's actually a church of hope. When we had those people come from Hamilton, they'd come out from that church. I think they stayed with you, Lynn. The people from the, um, from the church of hope in Hamilton came from this church we went to in, in Taipei. So I better stop. We've got so much time. Okay. We want to just show some clips now. And... Uh... I want to show you just some of the things that happened in the meetings. Hard to pick it all up from here. And uh, hearing it, of course, is a little different from being there. But uh, God just did amazing miracles, and we believed and stretched out for some. What I want to do is just show you some of the miracles that happened. So if you just watch up here, we've got uh, just some slides, and you'll see some things happening there. That's Wayne's Church and people manifesting. 
had a lot of deliverance the first night. There's people everywhere. There you go. Fantastic just to see God doing so many miracles. We've just got a little video clip we'll show you now, which will just show you the miracle, particularly of the lady. That lady that was born deaf was in charge of their, uh, their deaf ministry. So she's the sign language. And uh, so every Sunday she'd be up there with, and she was the one who trained all the sign people to do the uh, ministry to the deaf. So she was well known, not only through the church, but actually out in the community as well. And uh, she had never heard in her life. And the first words she heard in Mandarin were, Jesus loves you. And so uh, we're just going to show you this. Uh, the sound's not good because the music and the noise and everything is going on. People are just so excited. And uh, they, they, all, we've got a huge uh, healing flow of happening, all kinds of things happening. And in the midst of it, this woman gets healed. And, uh, of course, so the pastor then stops what's happening and uh, draws everyone's attention and uh, begins to just question her to see if she can hear. And, again, you'll see just the expressions on her face. Uh, after you'll see me praying for her, then you'll see suddenly the expression on her face as she realized for the first time she can hear. Just absolutely wonderful. First time I prayed, nothing happens. I just prayed again. Born deaf, 
now she is. First word she hears is Yesu Aini. He covered her eyes so she couldn't lip read him and then spoke the words. Pray, Lord, Amen. He would restore speech. Because you haven't heard all the life you've heard talk either. I have to bring you seat on this day when the Lord Jesus comes in every dumb spirit I command you to go. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. So it's really exciting to see God moving. How many got really excited? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a clap. It's the same God we serve. It's the same God we serve. Jesus, we honor you and praise you. It's not too difficult for you to do miracles in any nation of the earth. We just thank you and honor you today. I just, uh, just so exciting when we see God moving and touching many lives. You just can't believe the impact that uh, what we have over there has. Literally thousands of lives impacted, people saved in every meeting, people touched by the power of God, people released from demons, released from broken hearts. We had about 100 young people saved the night we had the young people's meeting. The end of that meeting, we just got them to stood up, show them how to encounter God. The Spirit of God just swept into the meeting and about 300 all fell over just in their chairs, in their seats where they were sitting. Just a tremendous time for God, of God working and uh, just exciting to be in a place where there's a great sense of atmosphere of God. Amen? And uh, so I want to just challenge every one of us. We all need to think how we can influence the people around us. Amen. We are called here to make a difference in this place. Amen. We are called to make a difference. And uh, I just, uh, we're going to run out of time. I've only got about five minutes to the end of the service. So I want to share the message I had that I was going to share before. I'll have to save it. Isn't that a shame, eh? But I don't want to go over time. So I don't want to lose also just the atmosphere that's here right now. I found that seeing God move, touching lives. You know, you can have all the teaching in the world, but at the end, there's nothing can really replace being touched by the living God. You know, and the teaching is to bring us into the life of God and to bring us into the reality of God's presence, bring us into encountering him. And, you know, we look over there, you see, I saw tremendous confusion, tremendous turmoil, tremendous uncertainties. There are lots of things we had to adjust but what I did see was a tremendous passion for the gospel to go forth into the world. 
And of all the things, that's the thing we need to get a grip of, is the need for the gospel to go out into the world. And they may be having amazing things happen in China, amazing things happen in Taiwan. But I tell you what, we're still in a place where we serve an amazing God. And it's up to you and me, it's up to you and me to actually live a life that will make a difference. And I want to encourage and challenge you to begin to think about your times of prayer, your times of connecting with God. All we're doing on this whole season on touching offenses is to get you to deal with issues in the heart that can connect you to God. As I'll share with you in this message, I was going to share on the impact of offenses, how they impact us uh, personally and spiritually. You'll see that you can never walk in an open heaven. You can never walk in the miracle power of God while you remain in an offended state. And this is one of the main reasons that we're working through the season in the church. I know it's taken a little while, and it's necessary to take a little while. So once and for all in our life, we get to deal with things that block us from the power flow of God's life. Everywhere I've gone where I minister in the area of deliverance, minister in the area of healing, there's one thing stops healing consistently, and that is offenses that have never been resolved. And so I want us to understand that we're in a place now, we need to see not what God's doing over there and what God's doing in other places. All that's wonderful, and we should sow into them, continue to sow, because that's where there's a place of great harvest. But here's our harvest. Our harvest fields through the doors. Our harvest fields in Napier. Our harvest fields in Hastings. Our harvest fields all around this area. You and I have a personal harvest field. We have people God calls us to pray for, to reach out to. But to do that, you've got to live a life in front of people that means that what you say and what you're living are the same. If you're living one thing and saying another, you can never cut it. And God wants us, I believe in this coming year, I have a great sense of an increasing realm of the supernatural in our lives and in the church. We need to push through and break through the barriers of indifference and apathy and unbelief that hinder the gospel flowing forth and hinder you carrying the power of God. It is the plan of God that every believer be involved doing these things. It's the plan of God that every believer, these signs Follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. In my name, they'll lay hands on the sick. They will recover. Friend, when did you last do it? When did you last rise up inside and encounter the presence of God and allow him to work through you to touch someone else? When did it last happen? See, it's not a matter of just of going to the mission field. We go out to places over in other nations. This is what they have, which is unique. There's an environment which is different from here. Often there's things happening in those places which are different to here. But friend, at the end of the day, this is where God planted us. He planted us in Hawke's Bay to have moves of God in Hawke's Bay, to build a great church in Hawke's Bay, to influence our whole region and touch people every level of the community. So it's up to us, every one of us individually, every one of us corporately. I want to challenge us to pray for people. We'll never get anyone saved unless we pray for them. So I encourage everyone to take some people, get some names on, your, on the list and say, God, I want to pray for these people consistently. When we have special outreaches like Tim coming next week or a little bit later, the Christmas outreach, bring your friends. Keep persisting. Keep persisting. Don't give up. Don't give up. Never give up. God never gave up on you. And you know how hard you were to reach. God never gave up on you. Kept sending people to you in spite of the fact you were rude to them, did all kinds of stuff to them and carried on. And now look at you and you're saved, born again in the house of God. What God wants is for that life to come out and touch someone else. And he wants it to flow through you to touch someone else. You're a river. So it's called to be a river, not just a pool. You know, we're called to be a river. We've got a river inside us, but that river can only go out if you allow it to flow out through your soul. And to flow through your soul, you've got to be willing to make that sacrifice, that commitment of time and energy with God and in reaching out to others. Never happens any other way. See, what Doug encountered when he was in China that caused him to weep 
And I've encountered it in some places too. You don't encounter it very many places. And definitely you don't encounter it much in the West. And this is what he encountered. He encountered people who to be a Christian meant they could lose their life today. Now that really puts a separating line out. They count their lives nothing compared to the cause of Christ. That's the same spirit Paul had. Paul said when they prophesied, you're going to get thrown into jail in Jerusalem, lose your life. He said, none of these things move me, but I will run my course for the cause of Christ. And so I've met people like this uh, that are exactly the same. Remember some years ago when Jim went over to uh, Uzbekistan, he had to be smuggled in in the back seat under the back seat of the bus. They met in a house with people. The people would not even let anyone know where the meeting is. If you wanted to come to a Christian meeting, you had to get God to tell you where it was. And if you went to that meeting and the police discovered it, they just shot everyone there. There was no trial. And it's still like that today. There are people in the world and they carry a fire that only that kind of commitment can give. I encourage you to think about your own commitment to Christ. Here's the challenge we have. We won't have anyone break down our door and point a gun and threaten us. We won't have anyone challenge us in that kind of way and the risk of jail, imprisonment, beating for our faith. Not in New Zealand. If you want that experience, go to another nation. We've got plenty of opportunities, haven't we, Doug? Dreaming up new ones all the time. But what happens in New Zealand is like the frog in the kettle. You put a frog in water and you slowly raise the temperature. The frog doesn't even know He's going to die. He doesn't even realize the temperature's changed until suddenly he dies. And that's what it's like in the West, where everything around us saps us away from a dedicated, committed life to serving God and making our life count. And you know, believers don't even know they're being sapped away until one day you find you're no longer praying, no longer reading the Bible, no longer coming into fellowship. You've actually drifted away and you've walked off what God set you on, the path he set you for your life. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. I have come back with a tremendous sense of the need for new passion for Jesus Christ and passion for his cause and passion to serve him. And I wonder how much of that passion is alive in us. See, it shows in our expressions and praise and worship. It shows in our times of prayer or lack of them. It shows in your hunger to learn and take in the Word of God. It shows in your readiness to quickly respond to the Spirit of God. And we're all in the same boat. And we all have to pay the same price if we're going to actually walk with God and carry His life. You see, to come into the kingdom of God, you just get born again, receive Jesus. To carry the kingdom to others... You've got to be willing to give your life for someone else. And that's the thing that God is challenging us for right now. I want you to think about your own life, your willingness to serve, to just do things that will reach and connect and touch people. Your willingness to share what God has given you. How many people in here, I want you to put your hand up now, have in the past year received a healing, a deliverance, or a miracle some point in their life? Come on, Paul, put your hand up. Put your hand up. Had a miracle, a breakthrough, whatever. I just hold your hands up, a breakthrough from God, a miracle, a healing, a deliverance, something like that happened. Look at all these hands up. Hold your hands up really up strong. That's right. That's it. Now, and I, now just keep your hands up. I'm going to ask another question in a moment. Now, for those who haven't, you could ask yourself this question. What is subnormal about my relationship with God that there's no miracles? 
Okay, for those who've got your hands up, I want you now to keep your hand up if you've shared it with some people over the last year. Okay. See? See, we need to actually take what God's given us. The miracle is not just for us. The miracle is for someone else. There's someone needs what you've got. I want to close our eyes right now. Father, we just thank you that there's a fresh sense of calling to serve you, of calling to flow in the purpose of God, to reach our community, every part of it, as well as other nations. We thank you for the city of Hastings and Napier. We thank you for this region you planted us. And we pray, Father, that you would enable every one of us to reach someone for Christ in this next three to six months. Fathers, we just open our hearts to you right now. Father, let a fire begin to grow in our life to serve you. I just want to challenge us while our heads are bowed and our, and our, heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I want to challenge you this, to begin to pray and believe for some unsaved friends to come to Jesus Christ. Pray for them by name. Consider how you're going to befriend them. Find something you can bring them to. And pray for opportunity to share what God has done in your life. Do you have a testimony? Sharpen it up. Get ready to share it. Because when you share it, the anointing that touched you will touch them. Sharpen it up. If you have no testimony, start praying, God, I want to start to get some fresh miracles taking place in my life. Father, I just thank you for this church coming to a whole new level in the coming year in prayer, passion, in miracles, and in reaching unsaved people for Jesus Christ. Father, we come before you. We repent of the lack of love for the lost that has caused so few to be added in this last three months. And we cry out, Lord, that you would work in our hearts a work of fire and passion to reignite the same love that you have for lost people. Lord, we ask that you'd ignite within us in these next few months a fire of passion to see people who don't know Jesus come weeping into his presence. And Lord, we don't want it to be done just in human ability. We want the power of the Holy Ghost flowing through all that we do. You say amen to that in your heart? Say amen to that in your heart? Well, let's just stand together. I'm going to finish with a closing song. I'm going to sing that song, I Live for Jesus. If you can just bring that one up. Come on, let's just stand up, church. If you visit, come on upstairs and have a coffee with us. And uh, come back tonight for the meeting tonight. We've got a great meeting tonight, too. We're praying for people, ministering to people. I want to encourage you. Bring a friend, unsafe friend. Show the video clip of the healings. We want to pray for sick people tonight. See God touch them and release them. Well, let's just reach out to the Lord and love Him today.